Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. See the theme today? Is there a theme in your minds today? We hope so. We hope so. Sorry, we're having technical difficulties here. I tell you, technology is a wonderful thing. It's also a head-banging thing. Let me get this guy going here. And if not, that's okay. Listen, as I was playing the guitar, I'm realizing, man, I'm out of shape. My arm hurts. Now, before you judge me, uh, my wife said to me on Friday, you know what we need? We need uh, 3,000 pounds of dirt at our house. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. So that's what I did yesterday. That's what I did yesterday. I want you to grab your Bible and I want you to go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Listen, I, I, it's going to be on the screen for you, but I just want to encourage you always, grab a Bible, grab a Bible, bring a Bible. Bibles are important, and I, lo- I love what Pastor Edson said. He said, the old school is the good school. Grab your Bible, know it, know it. Um, so today we're talking about the word deploy, deploy. Now many of us might have a, a part of us, we don't like the word deploy, do we? How many of you in this room have either been deployed or have known somebody that has been deployed close to you and deploying was not a fun word? Thank you all for your service. Thank you for those who have given of your families. Some of you have experienced it as uh, those who went. Some of you have experienced it as spouses of those who went, so thank you for that. So I want to give you the definition of deploy. Okay, I'm not going to back down away from the word deploy. Our, our mission as a church is to help every person become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. How do we do that? We do that by declaring the gospel, discipling the believer, and deploying the church. Sounds a lot like Pastor Edson's um, mission. So, I'm not going to back down from that word. So what does deploy mean? It means this, according to Webster, to place troops or weapons in battle formation. Another definition is to distribute systematically or strategically. And that's exactly what we see God do in the Scriptures. He distributes systematically and strategically. He puts people in battle formation. I want you to understand this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 we, it's a passage that we know. It'll be on the screen in a minute, but uh, I'll quote it to you. It says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And, and that's Acts 1.8. And that's exactly what we see Jesus command in Acts chapter 1. Now, uh, I want to go ahead and look at, uh, let's look at verses 6 real fast. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. I'm messing up Mr. James here. So, Jesus gives this response, but he gives this response to a, um, a very militaristic kind of question. The, Jesus has just arisen. He is resurrected from the dead, and he's spoken to people for 40 days, and he's revealed himself. And then, as Jesus is about to ascend to the Father, the disciples get together, and they get in a fury, and they say, Hey, 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 Jesus, is it now? Look, is, is it now? Will you at this time... Restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, now, is it now that you're going to kick everybody's booty? Get Rome? That you're going to kick them out? That you're going to eliminate the occupation of Rome in Israel? Is it now that you're going to do that? I love Jesus' answer. He says, well, that time's not for you to know in verse 7. In verse 8, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. So I want you to understand what Jesus does. He reminds them of the nature of their battle. Uh, the nature of their battle, the disciples' battles that, that he was talking to, maybe that's 120 that Acts chapter 1 mentions a little later on. He's speaking to these people and he says, you need to understand the nature of your battle. The it's not a battle of occupation. It's not a battle of politics. It's not a battle of earthly kingdoms. It's a battle of the heart. It's a battle of faith. It's a battle of life and death. It's a battle of spiritual powers and principalities, not one of earthly kingdoms. He reminds them of a battle. So Jesus gives them their deployment instructions and their mission. He says, but you'll receive power. Wait until you receive power, but you'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. That's what's going to happen. You are going to be, I'm going to send you out as witnesses of my life, of my death, and of my resurrection to everybody around you. And as you witness, I'm going to be working in hearts and minds, and I will be drawing people to salvation. I will deploy you, Jesus essentially says, to to places that you would have never intended to go. Because there are people in those places that I'm calling to myself. And somebody has got to tell them about me. And then Jesus in, ascends to the Father with those instructions. So where do they go? You know the story, like I do. They go to an upper room, don't they? And they begin to pray. And they, Judas has betrayed them. Judas has uh, uh, hanged himself. And so now they've got a, they need a, a 12th apostle. And so they, they pray and they choose Matthias, I believe is his name. And, and they, they choose Matthias in Acts chapter 1. And then they pray. And what happens? What happens? And then the Holy Spirit comes. But I wonder what they were experiencing in that upper room as they were praying. I bet, I bet what they were experiencing that day was probably a lot of what we're experiencing in this day. They, they might uh, have felt a lot like we do. They, they might have questioned the future. What is the future going to look like 
now. Everything's different. I'm different. What's our future going to look like? Anybody lately asked that question? Okay, just me. All right, perfect. There was social unrest in the nation that they loved so much. I know we've got to use our holy imagination to imagine that because it's so far from us, isn't it? And, and maybe there was even fear in their hearts. They, they had been told what to do. But they didn't exactly know how to do it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that way about God? God said, this is what I want you to do. And you go, okay, how? That was their question. We understand what you've commanded us to do. We understand the Great Commission, but that seems like an awfully big task. How do we do it? Now, does that sound familiar at all? Have you ever questioned yourself or questioned God in the past days, weeks, months, year since the pandemic and the tornado began? How in the world are we supposed to reach our nation? How in the world are we supposed to reach our community? What does ministry look like? I just, I don't know what the future of our nation is. I don't know what the future of my children is. How in the world, God, are you not just raining down fire and, uh, and sulfur from heaven on our nation right now? I just don't understand how you're letting all this stuff go on. How are we supposed to do what you're telling us to do? Does that sound and feel familiar? Now, some of you have been staring at my fingers because I've been playing with this here rubber band. I got more. I got ammo. Now, here's the thing, church family. We are a lot like a rubber band. But here's the thing. Look at me. I need you to see. We are a lot like a rubber band. And, and as a church and as individuals... We like, it. we like it when we're like this. We're at rest. There's no tension. There's no pressure. There's no stress. We like it comfortable. Somebody give me an amen. We do, right? We, we like our lives to be at rest. But I don't know if you knew this. That's not why the rubber band was created. It's not why Moses invented the rubber band. Some of you need to wake up. The rubber band, for the rubber band to be useful, it's got to be what? Stretched. Only in being stretched can a rubber band find its use. That's it. Only in being stretched can a rubber band exert energy. It's okay, I got more. That's the only time. Don't shoot me back. I haven't taught him how to shoot. I failed as a father. Pray for me. Miles, we'll work on it when we get home. That's exactly what God's doing in the early church. Where'd they go? In upper room. In that upper room in a prayer meeting they weren't experiencing the tension they were comfortable they were at ease they were at rest there was no pressure there was no stretching happening 
They like that upper room. But what we know in the Bible is before, that, before God's going to use his people, before he can use his church, he's got to prepare his church. And for God to prepare his church, it, the church needs to have pressure applied. The church, if we're going to be used by God in great ways, do you want to be used by God in great ways? If we want to be used by God in great ways, we've got to let God stretch us. We've got to let God pull us between two worlds. We've got to let God apply tension and, and pressure and stretch in our lives because it's only there that we find our usefulness, that we're made ready. So I want you to listen to what God does in the book of Acts. I'm just going to give you a brief overview. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit falls from heaven in divided tongues of fire. It falls upon Christians. And when it falls upon those who have placed their faith in Jesus, they begin to speak in other languages. And a crowd draws thousands of people. Peter stands and he preaches the gospel. And 3,000 men trust Christ. Not to mention the women and the children. 3,000 men trust Christ that day. Right there. And I want you to understand, that's a joyous moment. But what would Seneca Baptist do if 3,000 people were added to our number tomorrow? We would be stressed. And that's exactly what God does. He begins to put stress on them. Chapter 3. Peter and John are walking uh, to uh, the temple. And they're walking by Solomon's portico. And there's a lame man there. And they heal this lame man. And then he preaches a sermon, and that draws more attention. And then, as there's attention drawn, there becomes scrutiny from religious leaders. Their eyes are now on these apostles, and they're going, what are they doing? They're stretching, taking place. And then Acts chapter 4, these annoyed, jealous Jewish leaders arrest the apostles. They arrest the apostles. They question them. They threaten them. They release them. And then in Acts chapter 4, there's the most powerful prayer meeting that the scriptures reveal. And there's pressure. There's stress. There's stretching. In Acts chapter 5, the disciples meet each other's needs. God reveals his holiness uh, uh, to the church, strikes down Ananias and Sapphira. There again, the disciples are arrested. They're questioned, they're threatened. This time, they're beaten and they're released. That was a painful stretching in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 6, there is internal conflict. I know that you can't imagine internal conflict in a church. It's a sin that's been there from the very beginning of the church. Broke that one. But deacons are elected. And they begin to serve their church. And they begin to resolve conflicts. Then Stephen, one of those deacons who's a great man of God, is seized. And in Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches his defense. And as he's preaching his defense, after he finishes, he is stoned as the first Christian martyr. And there is persecution upon the church. And there is a stretching. Are you tracking with me, church family? In Acts chapter 8, we've got it up here on the screen. I want you to read this with me. Verses 1 to verse 4. 
it says this, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. I want you to understand, this is not my point of my sermon today, but what I want you to understand is when they were stretched, when God had pulled them, when God had applied pressure, when God had done all these things in their life, then God shot them out. They were not willing to leave Jerusalem on their own, so what did God do? I'll make you leave Jerusalem. I allowed this kind of persecution to come upon the church so that I might shoot you to places that you would never have gone if I didn't shoot you there. And guess what? The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, which means that ministry went into the hands of everyday, regular, Holy Spirit-empowered Christians. All of the rest of the book of Acts is not really at the hands of those super apostles. It's at the hands of people just like you and me. People who are just common, unordinary, uneducated folks who have been with Jesus. They were stretched to the max. Verse 2 continues, Devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Verse 4, Now those who were scattered went about doing what? Preaching the word. They went about preaching the word. I want you to understand that from the beginning of the book of Acts, God had intended to deploy his church into the world. He was stretching them so that he might deploy them strategically to different places. God told the church what to do, but they didn't deploy. So God scattered them. I need you to understand that this persecution did not happen without God's allowance. Understand our world, church family. What we're experiencing right now is not happening without God's allowance. He's sovereign. He's in control. There is nothing that I can do apart from him either doing it or allowing it. Now, I don't understand how all that works. I don't claim to. But there is a God side to our world that nothing happens apart from his divine plan. Now, I don't understand it. I don't get how it all fits together, but he never asked me to get it. But God's allowing such a persecution to happen in that day so that they would go. And that persecution was a catalyst to the kingdom. It was not a hindrance to the kingdom. Do you know what is a hindrance to the kingdom? Comfort. The greatest curse upon a church can be when it gets comfortable. And church family, if there's a church that's gotten comfortable, it's the American one. God will allow stretching, church, or stretching circumstances to energize His church. I need you to understand that we at SBC are much like the early church. We are comfortable in Jerusalem. We either need to say amen or ouch. 
We like to minister within certain boundaries. This is how we do it. This is what it looks like. This is who we go to. But God is allowing a pressure and a tension and a stretching to come upon His church in these days that we have not seen in our lifetime. Is that not true? You ever, you ever been a part of a world like this? I, want, I, want, I just want to encourage you. Side note, don't run from it. How many of us are praying for God to get rid of it? What if God's doing it? We're asking God to take away the very thing that He's doing. We might be asking God to take away the very thing that He's using in our life to strategically deploy us to places that we never would go on our own. Don't run from it. He is preparing us right now. He is stretching us. He is putting pressure on us. He is getting us ready for what He wants to do through us and in us. Amen? But it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Let me rephrase that. Pastor Ryan says it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. But listen to me, church family. If his stretching in my own personal life, if that pressure, if that tension, if that scrutiny, if all of that preparation he's exerting into my life means that he's making me useful for his kingdom, bring it on. Now, I'm not a masochist, but I want to be made useful. I want to be useful more than I want to be comfortable. Amen? That excites me. If he's going to make me useful for his kingdom, yes, Lord, your will be done. Last week, I made a statement that the church of 2019 and before is dead. And Miss Sarah Cross looked at me like I had a few heads, which might have been true. But, but when we, we get to be on the front lines, hear me, church family, this is exciting stuff. We get to be on the front lines of what God is doing in 2021 if we'll let us, if if we will let him. Isn't that exciting? Now, it doesn't look how it always has looked, does it? It doesn't work how it always has worked. Do you understand that 20 or 30, 40, 50 years ago, even when I was a kid, it felt like as a culture, the culture was the wind in the sails of the church pushing the church forward. And now the church is facing a really strong headwind. But if I get to be used, use me up. Stretch me. Prepare me. Because more than I want to be comfortable, I want to be useful. And if there's a lesson for me in the pressure, and in the stretching, and in the pain, and in the difficulty, Lord, I'm not going to pray it away. You allow me to experience your refining fire until when you look at me, you see you. Man, let me tell you a story about one of our local churches There's a church up on the northeast side of, northwest side of town. 
called Ebenezer Baptist Church. Ebenezer is pastored by a man named Jimmy Boggs. Anybody know Jimmy Boggs? Great guy, great man of God. Jimmy Boggs, uh, when the pandemic hit and churches were supposed to be closed down, he said, we're not closing, we're going in the parking lot. That first week they went to the parking lot, they started having drive-in services. Guess where they still are today? The parking lot. Jimmy Boggs has been preaching out of what looks like a, a glorified deer stand every weekend. I thought, I'm going to tell him, Pastor, I'm going to take that thing and use it during hunting season, okay? I'll bring it back. He's been preaching out of it every day. Guess what? David Shirley asked him, when are you going back inside? He said, I don't know that we're ever going to go back inside. God's been doing such a great thing in our church. He made known at one of our pastor's meetings, he said, I'm not, this is not my glory, this is God's glory. He said, we've had a thousand visitors since the pandemic began. God has a way to strategically deploy his people if they'll let him. What could God do with a church full of people who were surrendered to Christ and to his will? I mean, he turned the world upside down with these fishermen. What could he do with a church who was surrendered to his will? We often pray prayers like, God, if you'll let me know what you want me to do, I'll let you know if I'm willing to do it. And we call that following Jesus. I can't find that in the Bible. What I find in the Bible is, here I am, send me. Not here I am, send my friend. <laughs> I love that. Stealing that. If that bullet will fit in my gun, I'm shooting it. That's all I'm saying. Um... I, I see here I am, send me. I see what it means to follow Jesus as I lay all my cards on the table and I let God define my path. What could God do with a church full of people who were surrendered to his will and to his way? See, according to the Bible, following Jesus is more like signing your name on a blank contract and letting God fill in the, the directives. But that's not how we work. I want to know what you want me to do before I sign up to you. Every one of you got one of these. Well, I hope you got one of these. A post-it note. Does anybody not get a post-it note? All right, that's good. Thank you, greeters, for getting those post-it notes to people. If you didn't get one, we can get you one real fast. But anybody? Going once. Going twice, please. We got a couple right here. Ray Benny needs one. So you got a post-it note coming in. And, and I'm going to ask you in just a minute if you'd be willing to write your yes or your name. You're going to sign your name on this post-it note and you're going to let God fill it in. I'm not going to fill it in. But would you just be available to God to be used? Remember, God's not looking for your ability, is he? He's looking for your availability. He's looking for your willingness. This is a very practical way that we can respond to God. Now, I'm not going to force you. If you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. You can be a stick in the mud all you want. But I'm encouraging you 
if you mean this with your heart, if you're willing to pray and get with the Lord and say, God, it doesn't look like I want it to look, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to be useful to you. If you would sign your name, put your yes on the post-it note. Say, God, I'm willing to let you fill it in. I think God could do a great thing through Seneca Baptist if we'd let him define our path rather than saying, what do you want us to do and we'll let you know. Are you willing to write your yes before the Lord? It's not for me. It's for the Lord. Are you willing to write your yes? God, sign me up. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it looks like. I want to be used. He's not looking for useful people. Rather, he's looking for people who might be usable. Some of you even might be hesitant. And I just want to, I want to challenge you to meet with the Lord. If you're hesitant to fill that out, just to say, yes, Lord. What is that hesitancy for? That's between you and God. I'm not your priest. But church family, my yes is on the table. Scares me to death. We're going to have a time of response. Miss Margaret, Miss Cindy, and our, our team, if, if our team would like to lead us, you can. But I'm asking that as we have this time of response, that you would say, Lord, I want to be useful. I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to dictate it, but I'm willing to let you dictate it. My yes is on the table. You move as the Lord leads you to move. Right now, the altar's open. If you need to pray over your yes before you get your yes straight with the Lord, you do that. But don't let anything keep you from the yes on the table. It's too urgent. People are dying and going to hell. The Lord needs usable people. And I'm challenging you, church. Become usable. I'm going to be standing right over here and I'd just love to speak to you as our, our team leads us now. Every day they pass me by I can see 